Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. This is Tim Staples of Catholic Answers. I'm excited to let you know that I also teach high school apologetics for homeschoolconnections.com, an online Catholic curriculum provider. There are also recorded independent learning courses at homeschoolconnections.com. Whether you take apologetics with me, literature with Joseph Pierce, or philosophy with Bill Donahue, or any of the other 400-plus courses with homeschoolconnections.com, it's a great way to get Catholic learning for your family. In this AudioCast 41, we learn what it means to be living a real life as a Catholic. So sit back and... One, two, three, listen. If you're willing to talk, Father Leo is willing to listen. Get ready for a deliciously deep discussion of Shoot the Shiitake with Father Leo. And welcome back to Shoot the Shiitake with me, your host, Father Leo, and it is a pleasure to share with you a deep dish discussion, my interview with Chris Stefanik. He is the host of Real Life Catholic, which shows up on EWTN, Amazon Prime, and a whole bunch of other shows, which basically gives people a chance to see that Catholics aren't just stuck in a corner or we just pray all day or we just like eat fish on Fridays. I think there are a lot of misconceptions about what it means to be a Catholic. Chris is a speaker internationally. He is an author, he's a musician, and he also travels around the country and around the world giving what is called Reboot Live, which is basically one night of spiritual presentations that help people to kind of grow in their faith. Chris and I have been friends for a very long time. We do a lot of work that is similar, and while I would probably make this more than anything like premium content, it is so good I needed to share it with everyone, simply because you, you might not be Catholic, and that's cool, and you you might not even, you, you might be a Catholic and you don't like being Catholic because you'd rather, you know, have the freedom to do whatever you want, but the fact is, Christophanic and his family and the work that he does, it just kind of shows you that you can be normal and have a darn good time growing in holiness. And so usually I interview people who are different from me, but in this case, Chris is very different. He's just like this big, tall, white guy. That's the big difference. But deep down inside, we truly, truly are brothers. We share similar missions. Our approach is very similar. We even kind of laugh at jokes that no one else laughs at because we kind of follow the same corny and ridiculous sense of humor. I love the guy. I'm proud to admit it, and I'm so happy to share with you my deep dish discussion with Chris Stefanik. But here in this Amuse Bouche, let me just give you a couple little uh, appetizers here. A priest, a minister, and a rabbi are discussing when life begins. The Catholic priest says it begins at conception. The minister says life begins at 24 weeks gestation. The rabbi says you're both wrong. Life begins when the kids move out and the dog dies. But um bump. Oh, here's another one. Here you go. Why did the priest giggle during his homily? The answer, 
He had mass hysteria. <laughs> For our amuse bouche, you got a little one-liners, and you're gonna hear a bunch more when we come back from my deep dish discussion and interview with real-life Catholic director, host, TV host, speaker, you name it. Chris just does about everything. He even plays basketball really well, too. We'll be back in just a moment. This episode is brought to you by SelectInternationalTours.com, where they have passion for the pilgrimages and compassion for pilgrims. And I invite you to join me and select on one of four tours in 2019. I'll be going to the Amalfi Coast, Southern Italy, Sicily, as well as Malta in one trip. I'll even be going to Croatia and visiting Medjugorje. I'll also be going in October to the Holy Land and to Jordan with Steve Angrizano. And I'll be teaming up with Guadalupe Radio Network and leading another tour on the Danube River Cruise. So please find out more at selectinternationaltours.com or call 800-842-4842. That is 800-842-4842. And welcome back to Shoot the Shiitake with me, your host, Father Leo. And it is an absolute pleasure to welcome to the show Chris Stefanik, ladies and gentlemen, you know him from uh, Real Life Catholic. He's the founder and uh, the president of it, and also the host of the TV show Real Life Catholic that shows up on EWTN, as well as on Amazon. Amazon, Amazon Prime, Apple TV, and Google Play. There you have it. He is easy to find, but he's also kind of known for just bringing the gospel to kind of a reality, especially through these efforts called Reboot Live. So, first of all, Chris, thanks for taking the time. Oh, man, thanks for thanks for just being here <laughs> on, my, on my back porch. Isn't this crazy? I love sharing life with you, man. They're, oh, so, you, you, full disclosure, Chris and I have known each other for a long time. He's just my very tall brother, <laughs> tall white brother. God took me out of the oven a lot quicker. <laughs> and stretched you. <laughs> it stretched me. So, I'm, so, so, I'm white and doughy. You're white, yeah. <laughs> but you, there's a lot to you here. So let's just learn a little bit more because people know you as kind of like this international evangelist. Yeah. Tell me about who, who you think Chris Stefanik is because, first of all, that's, that's quite a name. Yeah. What is that name? Slovak. So you're Slovak. I am Slovak. Proud tradition of Slovak Catholics, and the other half is Irish Catholic. Now, that's some serious Catholic. Slovak Catholics are some serious Catholics. No, seriously, yeah. They uh, really are. My, uh, my great uncle was jailed for two years by the communists. He was a priest in Slovakia. What? This little cell that he couldn't set up or lay down in. It was a small cell. My whole family came to the U.S. to escape the communists. And, and you grew up where? In New Jersey. Okay, and yeah. you're a Jersey boy. What Jersey exit? Boy. <laughs> North Jersey <laughs> off 287. Okay, so yeah. way beyond that. Yeah. And were you kind of Catholic growing up, or were you just a normal? My, so my parents, they, they really got more into their faith as I grew up and dragged me off to a retreat against my will. Tell me about that. So I love coerced religious experiences for kids. Yeah. You know, I had to be here. <laughs> well, thank you, Jesus. To be honest with you, I tell parents that all the time that stop giving them Christmas gifts and start giving them experiences. Put them on a pilgrimage. Oh, yeah. Those experiences, I mean, God encounters people in those experiences. Exactly, because I think we're sick and tired of education, so let's give them something better. Let's give them an experience without educating them. They will be educated yes. through the experience. Jesus so is, your parents shows up, forced man. you on a retreat. Yeah. It, what uh, was this retreat? 
There was the Scranton Charismatic Conference. Scranton, Pennsylvania. A charismatic conference. Catholic charismatic conference in Scranton, Pennsylvania. there's nothing more frightening than a kid going into <laughs> a charismatic... Con- I mean, why don't you explain to people what a charismatic, first of all, so, is? So Catholic charismatic conference, it was you know, real <laughs> open to the gifts of the Holy Spirit and, and people speaking in tongues and all that, you know. Let me and tell if you, people man, have never experienced that, it's frightening. You know what's weird? I, I, I wasn't freaked out. You weren't freaked out, even though people were... I mean, and I'm not making fun of it. When they yeah, speak yeah, in tongues, they just yeah. say things like, oh, yeah, and, but you get the whole crowd doing it. So you were not freaked out. Uh, it, and, it, and that wasn't the overwhelming part of the conference. Honestly. Okay. It was, Keep going. You know, but the, what really overwhelmed me, as soon as I walked in, you know, the first Christians call themselves the living ones. And <laughs> I, I love that. I love that title. For, were you for resistant to faith or were you? I, I, I You know, I was... I had a sense of God's presence with me, but I was drinking all the time after school in seventh grade. My parents seventh had no grade. idea. Yeah. I really wanted to be one of my secular rock stars. I, I wanted to use girls. And that was my, uh, I, and in I didn't even articulate. Grade? Oh yeah. Seventh, eighth grade. I didn't even articulate to myself as using girls, but like, I just wanted to be like these, these guys who I idolized from, you know, Guns and Roses or Motley Crue. This is not the these are not the people you want to look up to as a little kid. Okay, I did not look up to the saints. You know, I I, I thought well, Jesus had come were, to make sure. me boring, pretty much. Right, that would to limit me. And I I walked into this conference, man, and <laughs> instantly it was like they're alive, I'm dead. Really, I just knew. Hey, it, what do you mean by that? Because I honestly think that people hear that you know he came to give us life and. It just kind of sounds so dumb right. to people. But you said it and it made sense, but I want you to explain it to people. It was joy. So joy. All right. Yeah, I mean, everybody I looked up to and the people I wanted to become and who I was when I was drunk, it was like, it was joyless. It was hopeless. It was distraction. It was pleasure. Uh-huh. But there's something qualitatively different about someone who's got joy behind their eyes. And, and do, hope behind their eyes. Does it kind of look corny, though, to some people, this joy? I mean, I'm just asking the questions yeah. because people kind of characterize Christian joy as corny. As corny and cheesy. Yeah. Yeah, yeah but the, the real thing when you see it. Yeah. Oh, man. How do you describe it? How do you describe it? You, you see it. You experience it. It's like eating food. How, how do you describe a, good, a really good pasta meal you just had? I don't, I don't know. You can put oh, flavors to it, but sure. until you try it, you don't really know. Okay, that's kind of it. I think a lot of people haven't tasted and seen the goodness of the Lord. Yeah. They've only seen the impressions that other people have. So yeah. if you know Jesus just because somebody told you about him, you really don't know him unless you know him. That's it. It's like studying It's like studying something like you know, studying some beautiful place in the world. But you don't sure. know until you go there and you smell the air. That's exactly I think one of the big struggles with faith is that people haven't really experienced it. Yeah. So you go to this conference, you're in seventh grade. I was in, you were I was in going school. into eighth grade. You're going yeah. into eighth grade, and this is a charismatic conference, and you experienced joy, and did that change your life? Because eighth grade, that's you've got a lot of wiggle room before you can oh, yeah. actually make yeah. totally a decision for Jesus. Totally changed my life. And what did that look uh, like? Were I, you a goody two-shoe from it, that point on? And it, it didn't change my life with all my behaviors. It took a while to have my behaviors fit my, and I'm still trying. I'm trying the rest of my life to have well, how uh, I act. Wait, 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 wait. You, you're going to have to explain that because there's a lot of people who think that once they've experienced a conversion, 
that's kind of it. Like once saved, always saved. Yeah. It's, it's always, yeah, right. No, I, I, I went back home. And I was, I started, you know, hanging, partying with friends. And, yeah, and, you're just a kid. Yeah, and but it, I'll tell you, man, it ruined everything. Jesus ruined everything for the better. <laughs> it was like I, I, I was drinking, but it wasn't the same. It, it, it was like it, it lost all its sweetness. Nice, okay. I'd struggle with lust, but it was like it, it just lost all its sweetness. Like this doesn't compare with the Lord, with the life, with real life. Okay, so that just basically means your heart was... Fundamentally changed and divided. Yeah, and divided because you knew that there was pleasures in things that aren't helpful to you or healthy to you, especially at that age. Yeah, and you weren't just mature enough to understand it. But then you also knew about God, and so how did this kind of solidify into you, kind of becoming a national, internationally known, yeah, Catholic conference speaker? Well, there's a there's a long journey. Well, um, summarize it. I mean, yeah. we've got two parts of the show. Sure, so. <laughs> sure, sure. But I want to get into other stuff in the second half. For sure. Uh, I mean, I, the, the disciplines of the spiritual life, disciple and discipline sound really similar for a reason. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, exactly. Um, so that first joy that comes with, with conversion, where uh, it's exciting. And it comes naturally. It's yeah. easy. It's emotionally driven. Totally And, and that comes from gr- really beautiful, it's a gift from God. It's, call, it's like falling in love. Mm-hmm. You know, it's easy when you're falling in love. You're married for a long time. You have to make decisions that like, you know, I do a weekly date night because it's cheaper than marriage counseling. It's one or the other. <laughs> <laughs> but there's times where it's like, you don't feel the emotions. You don't feel like, no. day. you're busy, you know, but you're going to do it. It's those habitual decisions that make the relationship real. So after this conversion experience mm-hmm. and you were still living kind of a, not a divided life, but I mean, you were still yeah. doing yeah. you and still trying to fit Jesus into all of this. Right, right. You mentioned habitual decisions, habitual daily decisions. Like what did that look like? I started reading about the saints. Ah. I, my heroes changed from Slash from Guns N' Roses with his face covered with his own hair and holding Jack Daniels in his hands. What a hero to have as a seventh grade kid, man. To Padre Pio and St. Francis. And Dude, Saint I was Joseph. still into Spider-Man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you are way more mature than that. <laughs> right. Oh, man. And then, and then um, you know, the daily rosary. I started becoming a rosary addict. I noticed a huge difference after I got confirmed. You were how old in praying the rosary? Oh, I started praying the rosary. It must have been... My sophomore year of high school. So, a couple so years sophomore later, year in high school, you're literally praying the rosary? And you know what's cool? I, I had, by, by junior year... Was this a Catholic school? No, a public school. Okay. By junior year, I, 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 I was a big fan of the Franciscans I was friends with, the CFRs. Yeah. And I would dangle my rosary from my pocket. And, uh, okay, so the CFRs, for anyone who is not familiar, that is the Community of Franciscans of the Renewal. Yeah, they lived near, near me where I grew up. Got it. And my parents would go in and serve the poor and help them out. And I, I was really exposed to them as, at a young age and looked up to their friends, the radical life, you know, real poverty, yeah. living for Jesus. It was beautiful. But, you know, I had long hair and I still, you know, I, I, I could hang out with kids who were smoking weed and, and there was the rosary dangling with my pocket and I was inherently different. <laughs> you know, so I, I, I learned. I think I know school. what you're talking about. It was, did you kind of wrap it around your belt kind of thing? And Yeah, or just, yeah, right. Or, or just literally hanging out of my pocket. Oh, I see. You know, I, I kind of learned in high school how to, to be normal and an evangelist. And by normal, I don't mean I was 
okay with sin. I'm still not, you know? I mean, there's there's a whole lot of, I've heard a lot of people talk about, you got to be okay with your brokenness. And, and, and to some degree, yes, you do. I have to be okay with the fact that I'm striving to be a saint for real and the Lord loves me as I am. Sure. But I'm not at peace with the brokenness. And, and that's how I became in high school. You know, people, I, mean, the, the, I was a, you know, senior class homecoming attendant. I'm like, I was popular among these kids because I, I had a joy that was lasting that kids started to look so up you to. So you were a pretty popular guy. And I mean, I'm not a weirdo, in it, but you're a handsome man. Yeah. I mean, you were probably a really good looking kid when you were younger. Yeah. And you were tall. Yeah. And athletic. And, and, he, I, and you and, make me sick. I know, but that's I, I another know, story. I know. I'm, I'm sorry. My vertically challenged friend. <laughs> Well, you're a good-looking, short Filipino guy, and that's that counts for something. And as a priest, that makes not a, 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 a relevance for nothing. But 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 you kind of have those natural gifts going for you, yeah, which kind of yeah. makes you a natural leader. And I'm I'm bringing this up very specifically because if you were looking like anything else, like a dumpy kid, yeah. people probably wouldn't have listened to your Christianity. Yeah. But so what you did that is you used be. a natural virtue that God yeah. gave to you, which Great are leadership. Exactly. Leadership skills. Mm-hmm. You're athletic. Mm-hmm. You know, you were obviously popular-ish. And yeah. so you were able to talk to these kids. Now, was your intention, because in young conversions, yeah. it's like everyone's intention is to convert the world. What was your, like, desire then and we're going to just fast forward to what your desires are now yeah oh you know what then and now it's really kind of the same when i'm in my right head space if i'm in the right head space of my ministry it's that i'm overwhelmed by dang this is so awesome everybody's got to hear it yeah it's just i'm not thinking that hard about it and that's partially why my ministry looks like it's 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 almost shooting from the hip it's going all over the place like like different like just diving into every topic and every cool project. like, the Lord is just amazing. It makes yeah. your life amazing. And I, I just, I, I can't keep that to myself. How can you keep that to yourself? Well, and that's how I felt in high school. And so that's how you felt in high school. And then what happened to get you into kind of the, I don't know, the role of speaking? Like, when did you start doing that? I graduated from college and uh, went to parish youth ministry in the East L.A. area. Where did you go to college? Steubenville. Okay, so Franciscan University of Steubenville in Ohio. This is kind of a hub for a lot of what I would call evangelical Roman Catholics. Yeah, it really showed me how to do this. But your class in particular. Jason Everett. Yes. uh, Just a ton of people who are out there doing pretty crazy things. We're actually going to talk about laity yeah. When we come back, but so you go to Steubenville and yeah. did you just start speaking? No, I don't. I don't even know how no, this works. I, I thought I want to be a theologian, which is a joke for me. I, you know, I mean, now <laughs> Actually, looking back, I'm a catechist. <laughs> okay. Thank you, Jesus. I'm a catechist That's and evangelist. A catechist packages and delivers beautiful things. For uh, you know, it makes it bite sized. Mm-hmm. A theologian. Is 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 his job is inherently different. His calling is inherently different, and it, it took me a long time to realize that I had my own shape that God was calling me to a ministry. That I think I hear an animal. Yeah, well, something large too. Sorry, we are sitting we, outside yeah. this amazing pasture here in uh, Chris's home in yeah. in an undisclosed location. <laughs> I can't say what it is. I could just say. But I do know that if the world starts to end, he's coming here. We're hanging. <laughs> exactly. I, I love being in, but, in but rural you, country. But you uh, just, I mean, you said that you wanted to be a theologian. 
you know, technically, if you're pondering the mysteries of God, you are. Yeah. But you yeah. now called yourself a catechist. Yeah. And that's interesting because I actually would have considered you an evangelist who does a lot of catechesis. Yeah, but you know what? If 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 catechesis is not evangelistic, it's not catechesis. It, well, thank you very much. That's it. It's it's got to be. So how did you get started did with you the just whole like, gospel message? The did whole you time. Just just find a microphone and say, listen to me. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no. So I, I thought I wanted to be a theologian. I volunteered in youth ministry. Okay. Barbara Morgan was a great a great catechist at Steubenville. I volunteered in RCA. Mm-hmm. And I, I remember her advice. You go try stuff. See what you want to do. You know, where your gifts and the world's needs intersect is your calling. And, and, I, and when I tried youth ministry, I, I fell in love with it. And, and so you became a youth minister? I became a youth minister. And my, and my, my whole preaching career just blossomed from there over a long period of time. You know, I, I went from youth ministry to this parish I was working in. I was, I was so good at drawing people in who wouldn't usually come to church. They made me the director of evangelization and youth ministry and five other things. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and it just kept growing and growing from there. Yeah, you know, I found, I, I, then I worked for a, a diocese in Wisconsin and the diocese in, in Colorado, but really found that, you know, the things that worked for youth, yeah. We're working for everybody. It's just a, it's it's just engaging evangelization. Oh, I get that. And I think in a lot of ways the Catholic world doesn't fully get it. You think? It, yeah, right? Well, that's why we're going to take a break. Yeah. <laughs> and we're going to talk about what the Catholic Church just does not get. Yeah, well, yeah. There's a lot there. So the we're going to be continuing Shoot the Shiitake with me, Father Leo, and my special guest, Chris Stefanik of Real Life Catholic. We'll be back in just a minute. Yeah. We hope you enjoy this conversation on Shoot the Shiitake, and we invite you to consider being a premium sponsor, someone who's willing to donate $10 or more each month to receive more exclusive content. And this week, I'm going to be sharing with you a way to approach the New Year's resolutions, ones that you can certainly keep and a resolve to help you to grow closer to your faith. So please support us either as a subscriber who donates $10 or more each month or even as an advertiser, you can learn more at shoottheshiitake.com. That is shoottheshiitake, two eyes in shiitake.com. And welcome <laughs> back to Shoot the Shiitake. Chris Stefanik is joining me for I'm our deep dish classes. discussion. Now he's joined with his father, who might chime in every now and say, then. Say hi, Dad. <laughs> hello, hello. Uh, so growing dad. up in New Jersey and, you know, now an international speaker, and you have seen the church. Yeah. Kind of inside and out. Yeah. And we are in the midst of a lot of struggles and turmoils. When has the church not been in the midst yeah. of struggles and turmoils? Yeah. These just happen to be a little bit more obvious. Yeah, a little, uh, a little grosser than some other times, too. Well, there was some pretty gross stuff. Yes, we just didn't have the internet and twi- Twitter You're right. to expand it so Dang quickly. It. I, honestly, I think that, that you know, a thousand years ago, the average guy growing up in Ireland, he had no idea what was going on internationally in the church. No. He couldn't name his pope. Yeah, exactly. And there's something healthy about that, honestly. We were not built for this much information. No, it's crazy. It's crazy. But but let's go to one of the problems, and I'm just going to throw some things out here, and I just want to get your take on it. Okay. Laity. Mm -hmm. 
the biggest problem with laity. And it doesn't even have to be a problem. No, this is a problem though. It, it's our, our priests aren't clericalists. Our lay people are clericalists. Yeah. We have a strong sense across the laity that our priest is supposed to do stuff for us. We sit down in the in the congregation at mass and and treat it like it's entertainment and like there's the stage and father's boring. Bingo. Of course, you go on the other side of the pulpit and look out. Boy, that's boring. <laughs> <laughs> so but you you are actually. Uh, I'm going to just say, guys, brace yourself. You are actually preaching more effectively than priests are. Well, if I can help wake up, I think one of the things that makes me effective as a preacher is that there is something in the charism of me, and Mm -hmm. I'm not saying this in a proud way, it's good for people to to know what their gifts are, that, (laughs) actually this won't sound proud at all, I'm extraordinarily (laughs) average. People look at me (laughs) when I'm preaching and think, huh, he's got jeans and a t-shirt on, (laughs) and huh, He's not really as smart as Scott Hahn or all those other people. Huh. I could do that, too. And, and I'm thinking, that's my whole message. Yes, you can. Dude, you're like the Ray Romano <laughs> yeah, of, yeah. of Catholic speakers. Right. No, but... I'm trying to saint, and you can, too. No, I think part of it is that you're a dude. Yeah. And you can relate to people yeah. because you're a dude. Yeah. And so I knew you... From back in the day, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, Chris and I have worked together. In fact, I hired him to come and speak at a youth conference years and years and years when ago. When nobody else knew me. When I knew who you were, yeah. and, and you sang this song about <laughs> this kid who was going to date your girl. Yes. Can you just kind of sum that up real quick? Oh, man. Yeah, so uh, my overprotective dad dementia song. <laughs> it was a take on Hey There, Delilah. You can you got to YouTube it. YouTube my, my just YouTube channel. it. Okay, yeah. so Delilah remix Chris Stefanik. It's pretty dang funny. <laughs> and you basically threaten the child. <laughs> threaten the child. You know, always threaten the child to no. protect, just to protect, <laughs> to protect your, your daughter. daughter. Exactly. You know. And and that's, most good guys, yeah. they don't feel really threatened by that. They think, oh, this guy's cool. I'll date. You know, exactly. Yeah. They'll know that you care about her yep. as much as he probably wants to care about her, but doesn't know how yep. because he's a little too young. That's and right. so the only way he's going to know is to watch people who do care about her yeah. in the most appropriate way. Amen. So so that was one thing, the, the laity issue. Um, yeah. If, if lay people uh, saw what Catholic is ran through their veins, th- there would be no question about leaving the church because of a scandal. Sure. You know, I, I look at a scandal in the hierarchy and think, well, that's not the church. It's a part of it. It's a part of but it. But it's a part of and, everything. And so, yeah, and so am I. What, what Catholic is, is, is Jesus who's, who's in me. You know, and, and if there was a living sense of that among the hierarchy, the church would be so strong right now, but there's just not. Okay, let's talk about more weak spots in the church. Yeah, sure. Media, social media. Yeah. Go for it. Oh, wow. <laughs> You're on TV. Yeah, okay, yeah. And, uh, and you've got these great segments that people mm-hmm. can see on Real Life Catholic, and they're very well produced, and you've yeah, getting, yeah. you're getting hundreds and well, thousands of views. And Yeah, but th- th- this, this maybe goes beyond just the problem in quality in media, okay. but messaging. And maybe this would be messaging of the church in general. I think people see Catholic, and they see an institution that exists for itself. And what company is going to survive that way? Uh, just to take it into secular terms, you think of the campaign where Mac kicked PC's butt, or at least got its market share, but it didn't have before. Sure. Right? Remember the commercials? There was a guy with a PC who was a nerd describing his PC. Yep. Next to a guy who didn't have any computer. It wasn't showing a computer in the ads. Sure. It wasn't about the computer. It was about you. And and his message was very clear. You know, We're going to help you express yourself. It, it, they succeeded because people perceived, here's a company that's about me. Yeah. Is the church about me? 
Does it help me live my life better? You're talking What's about the branding message? right now. Yeah, yeah, it's branding. It's, so it's, what is the Catholic brand that we need to be focusing on? The, the brand's got to be what Jesus' brand was, which is, I came so you might have life to the full. Yeah. And in John 15, I told you these things so my joy may be in you and your joy may be complete. If people don't perceive that we're here to give them life to the full, they're not going to give us the time of day. They usually perceive an institution that exists to uphold the lifestyle of the people in charge or an institution where people are geeking out about their theology and they maybe you, you get engaged and they want to share this stuff with you. You know what? I love theology. I really do. Sure. And, and it took me a long time to, to shift gears and realize that not everybody is called to full-time ministry like me. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> <laughs> but people do, you know, it, it, they're, they're not going to, the starting point's not going to be come to Jesus, be saved, here's the gospel. The starting point for most people, like Jesus said, what are you looking for, is going to be, hey, help me to have a more awesome life. Help sure. me to have, bring my happy meter from a five to a six today. Do you have that? Okay, well then everything that comes with that, I'll take, including salvation. But back to media, because- this, The messaging's got to be along those lines. And, and that messaging, let's talk about quality. Yeah. Because, I mean, I know some really great people who've got the message, but put them in front of a camera and they just look so deadly boring. Well, no, well, not everybody is called to media ministry. Perfect. That's a fact. Keep going. There's people who are great at public speaking who are horrible in front of a camera. People who are great in front of a camera are horrible at public speaking. Yep. Not everybody's got it all like you. <laughs> <laughs> That's called makeup, people. <laughs> and a lot of editing. No, but, but I think... And lifts in the shoes. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just stand on a platform, you big jerk. <laughs> so the idea of media, I mean, not everyone should be involved in it. You talk about working on the messaging and all that stuff. Yeah. Like, what makes your show popular? What drives me with that show, I, I want to be clear that Jesus has something to offer to the, I hate saying average person, because there's no such thing. But to the average person, person who's not in ministry, person who's not famous, sure, you know, it, it, he will make your life better. And and I I really want to show that by highlighting people who are living life better because of, because of Jesus. Let's talk about Catholic speakers. Yeah, because in a way, ah, I hate even using this term. We become celebrities in some circles. You tell know, me, it, tell me your an experience of that. Because, you know, as a priest, it's even more dangerous for me. Yeah. You're a layman and, you know, you're popular. So yeah. it doesn't seem as much of a problem if it's a priest. But even just in general, Catholic speakers and celebrity and what we well, do. Catholic celebrity is... It's, it's the uh, worst kind of celebrity. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's widely known, but not densely known. Sure. So <laughs> We're a very small pond. Yeah. <laughs> but all across the world. So it's yeah. kind of cool because the, the, the people, I, I, unlike a real famous people, I can go anywhere I want without being stopped, but I'm stopped frequently. But the people who stop me, I want to meet and hang out with. Interesting. Because it's like, wow, that means that you like the stuff I say, and yeah. that means you're a Catholic like me, and hey, praise God, let's... And you're putting you know, on these reboot live things. Tell me a little bit about that, because, I mean, you're selling out to these great crowds, and, yeah. I mean, that's a kind of a different model of kind of evangelization. Yeah. Now, I'll be very honest, I had been thinking about this forever and ever and ever, yeah. that why are we just waiting for people to make an event? Why don't we just simply create one? Create one ourselves. Create the events. Uh, Tell me about yours. You know, the TV show and the reboot event goes back to my own conversion. It's that, quote, average Catholic who I saw when I walked in the room, not the person on stage. The show highlights the everyday Joe Catholic. Sure. 
And the reboot event, it, it, it gives an opportunity for the everyday Joe Catholic and the outreach teams that we work with. Our staff works with outreach teams for six months before I get there mm-hmm. to empower them to invite people back to church. So I see my gift of proclaiming the gospel as something that they can leverage on the parish level to do something meaningful and to invite their friends, their families, their neighbors back to church. So I'll have pastors tell me sometimes they'll have 70% of the people there. They say, man, I barely ever see these people. Okay. So it's it's all about reaching out and bringing people in. And for me, the real win is that outreach team saying, man, I owned it. I evangelized. Okay, so, all right. I invited. You just basically said something that might confuse a lot of people because when people go to a Reboot Live or even any event where we're maybe invited as a keynote speaker, mm-hmm. they're coming for us and you're saying something else. I'm that not it's coming a, for me. <laughs> yeah, well, but you're saying that there's really a team of people. That's right, yeah. Tell me about what their role is. My goal is to be the least innovative ministry in the Catholic Church, <laughs> right? <laughs> it, it's to do the stuff that worked 2,000 years ago which is a, a relevant proclamation of the gospel that speaks into people's lives and shows yep. them how it makes it better. But also invitation. And by invitation, I literally mean... Invite people. Invite people. Exactly. You know, it's kind of like it, when, you, when you have that kick to like, I want to I go on a diet. You learn everything there is about dieting when you don't feel like just doing the hard work of eating less. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> we talk so dang much about evangelization in the Catholic Church today. It's annoying. And so rarely do people say, I'm just going to literally invite my neighbor. And by neighbor, I mean my literal neighbor. My literal neighbor. That's the unfortunate thing. When Jesus said, love your neighbor, he actually meant your your annoying neighbor. neighbor. (laughs) (laughs) I always tell people, you better learn how to love them now and eat with them now. Because in heaven, they might be sitting next to you for all eternity. (laughs) And if you don't like that, then you're not in heaven. (laughs) That's it. That's it. No, and and so you're just just trying to teach people how to invite. That's it, yeah. So, my, yeah, we, we're real intentional about working with parish outreach teams and pushing them to invite. It doesn't even take a lot of teaching. Oh, my gosh. It, it's just the, the motivation of just like, go do it, go do it. Pretty go much. Do it. And so now that you're doing this, you're going around the world, what have been some of the blessings? And then I'm going to ask you, what have been the challenges? The blessings, conversions. When you step out in faith, invite people who don't usually come and preach the gospel, lives change. Sure. I had a woman tell me at a reboot a couple months ago, she said, you're... You're the first person I'm telling this to. I always hang out afterwards and whoever wants to talk. Sure. She said that she had, she said I had an abortion, and for the first time I feel like God can love me again. And I walked and over to a priest. People, in a way, are coming to you for, they're confessing, you know what I mean? Yeah. Confession is real. We just, in the sacraments, keep it secret, you know, right, for right. the sake of your own protection. So, so yeah. you really are doing priestly work. Yeah, and then I, I walked over to a priest who heard a confession and she left a different person, you know? It's that, I just, yeah. To be a layman in evangelization, we're, we're able by virtue of who we are to go out really to the peripheries. I agree. And, and then bring them to our priests who are feeding the flock. Yeah. A priest wearing a collar is not going to be able to reach, he should be able to, but just by the impressions that people have of a priest, it's not easy yeah. to get past the collar. Like sometimes I'll sit in business class because I got upgraded. I don't purchase a ticket and I'm not and wearing God my clerics. God forbid you wear your collar. People will judge <laughs> they you. They would no, judge me. But it's so, but it's true, mm-hmm. you know. And, and then they would ask, you know, what do you do for a living? And I say, I'm a Catholic priest. 
and a chef. <laughs> and that just gets the ball You're rolling. The first one I've met. It'll be probably the only one for a while. Now, what have been some of the challenges that you've experienced in all of this? I mean, have you, because yeah. you're deeper into the church, experienced the ridiculosity of the politics of it all? And You know, th- yeah, w- w- when things are going wrong in a parish, you know, it, it, you can't get around that. If the pastor's not engaged, passing it off to a, a lay person who feels like the, it's been pushed upon them and wow. they feel like they own it. Yep. You just, you can only do so much to get around that problem. And, and then it's, and it can be a fruitless effort. So in other words, the success of any type of evangelization effort is when the pastor gets involved. It's the pastor getting involved and empowering his people. And empowering his people. Right, and, and pushing them out and being, being excited about it with them. What does that look like? Let's just get practical for a minute. Yeah, yeah. What does that look like? And again, this is this is simple stuff. I, I know, but listen, common right. sense ain't so common. It, no, it's not. Yeah. That's why I'm making you do we, it for people. We often look for complex solutions to the simplest things. I, I, I hate committees. Yeah. <laughs> so, for God so loved the world that he did not send a committee. <laughs> exactly. To Jesus through meetings. <laughs> <laughs> but just tell me, what does this look like? You. It's as simple as the, the, the parish team meeting, pushing the event, feeling like they have the backing of, of dad. Of the a pastor. spiritual dad in their in their, their in their parish, and the pastor a couple times announcing excitedly, "Hey, we got this this outreach event. I want you all to, to come in. It's not just for you. I want you to bring a friend." That's right. And, and it just drums up the excitement on the simplest level, and then it happens. They don't get a thousand people, and half of them don't go to church. But 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 they're also coming because there's a keynote speaker who is a little bit of a you know Catholic. Celeb, but, but the beautiful thing is the people. A lot of times, the people that come to our events, know, they don't know. They don't know who, who the are. heck I am at all. <laughs> I go to these parishes where I'm getting invited, and I walk into the sacristy, and the second goes, "Who are you?" Right. <laughs> I'm the damn speaker you hired. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, <laughs> you have no idea how important I think I am. <laughs> that's exactly <laughs> it. But that's a very interesting point. Now, what's after they do this? Yeah. After they experience the reboot, which is really consists of a couple of your talks rolled up into yeah. one with some music and yep. and just uh, they get a to learn more about it. A high power, two and a half hour mini retreat. It's beautiful. It, I've had people tell me all about your reboot oh, live. Oh, thank God. And they Good. loved it. I mean, they Good. just absolutely experienced graces from it. Thank so God. at the end of the day, what does Chris Stefanik want to do? And don't be all sappy and corny and just be like, no. to love God and no. to go I, to heaven. I, were the results from Reboot? No, just like in life. Oh, in life. Yeah. Tell we'll me about God like, and go to heaven. <laughs> like what, what's next for Chris Stefanik? Uh, more of the same. <laughs> I really want to just... I really want to just proclaim the love of Jesus to the world until I'm dead. And he's going to keep showing me how. There's always different ways that express itself, but it's hard. It's the same thing. The world has no hope when they don't have Jesus. Well, you, you, have a, you yourself have experienced some evolution, Lots. even in your own. Yeah. But if you could choose, if yeah. you could say, I would like to be able to... I could do live events until I'm dead, man. Really? I've got 50 scheduled this year. That is awesome. Yeah, and the, the, the media outreach is great. The writing and the programs are a great way to keep reaching people. But my, my greatest joy and the greatest driver of all we do is getting out there in front of people and sharing the gospel and empowering parishes do, to do that. Do you ever feel, and just a couple more questions, like, gosh, I'm getting older and I'm just becoming more irrelevant? Never. Good for Not you. yet. You know, I mean, it's, and so I, I look up to a lot of the, you know, in the evangelical world, because there's not a lot of, 
Yeah, lay your people. hair is nowhere near as big as Benny Hens, though. No, right. <laughs> Sorry. In the Catholic world, we're the. I'm I'm part of the first generation of lay people doing exactly. evangelization. This like is this. what excites the yeah. heaven into me. Until until my hair is gray. In the <laughs> Protestant world, there's plenty of that. Sure. Um, though though I, I don't want to, you know, the, the, some of them were, you know, quote ordained or you know, not in the same way you'd understand. Uh, but some of the most effective ones are 70 years old. Yeah, that's right. Because they've been doing it for a very long time. So, and they know how to speak to people's hearts. So just two questions remaining. One is going to be any advice for other young lay, or not young, but just lay people who want to yeah. get involved to do this because you've inspired them. And people actually email me and say, how do I get how involved I in this? speaking? And I say, well... I'm a priest, so this is kind of what I'm supposed to yeah, do, yeah. but I know what you're saying because you're a lay person, so give them this advice. How would you? Yeah, I, you know what? I, I caution people not to let worldly priorities seep into their ministry. Okay. You know, it's very easy to see, you know, for a youth minister, for instance, to go to a Steubenville Youth Conference and mm-hmm. have that as their ideal. If that stage means I matter. Yep. You know, if you feel called to speak, speak. You feel called to preach, preach. Just do it. God will choose where you go with oh, it. Oh, that's perfect. Get I, all into it. I think do people, it everywhere you can. Volunteer. It doesn't matter. But people have fallen into the temptation of seeing these people on stage as celebrities. And uh, yeah. and we've all said it at these conferences. We can care less if we're on stage. We're just going to do this even you know if we're on the floor with you. Right. And our job is to get you up here to be proclaiming the message. And, and everybody is susceptible to that. You exactly. Know, scripture tells us be on guard against against greed, against pride, because any human being can fall to those you things. You got that right, absolutely. Uh, you know, but I had a, I remember someone who was doing net ministries, they're traveling the country five nights a week giving retreats, and I said, I want to do what you do, man. I thought, I was like, you're dude, doing you're it. doing it more than I am right now. That's right. That's beautiful. So, so well, last question here, and it's not really a question. I'm just going to give you the opportunity to preach to me. How can I be a better priest for you? How can I be a, a better, just preach to me. Tell me what you think Leo Padalinghug needs to do. Here's better. what I love about you and your charism. To look at a global perspective, I, you know, the church in Louisiana s- strikes me because even in a post-Christian world where they've gone full-blown hedonist and there's, <laughs> they've lost faith in, in a profound way, People still love the Catholic Church. Oh, my gosh. My buddy who lives there said there was an article written by an atheist about things he's sacrificing for Lent. Yep. Why? Because they experienced the Catholic Church as a celebration of life that was handed on to them. Every celebration they have is tied to a feast day. In Ireland, uh, conversely, where Jansenism was was tied into Catholicism a little more, so clearly you could tell. Yeah, and, and uh, you know, and there's great priests in Ireland too. And, and Janus, Jansenist, by the way, was a is a third century heresy that talked more about having to experience salvation because of the merits of man's efforts. That's it. Yeah, they're very austere by comparison. Suffer in order to be saved. Mm-hmm. That's it. You know, in a post-Christian context, there a priest will get spit on. Sure. Because they experienced it and, and their collective psyche is something that repressed them. Now, I'm not, I'm not saying that the good priest in Louisiana will give license to sin. No. And neither do you. But there's a, a profound celebration of life in the way you do priesthood that if they're more like you, 
Yeah, but like the devil told John John Vianney. <laughs> well, wait a second. He kingdom was actually of hell only. Would fall. <laughs> no, the my, of hell would fall. My kingdom yeah. would just be fatter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so it's that. How does it make my life better? You know, you look at a guy like you, and you make it very clear that this is all tied to your celebration of life. I think my my own kids love Jesus for the same reason that they love uh, a good meal, that they love good music, a good movie, because it's all life and Jesus' life. And he makes it better. Well, there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. I asked Chris, how can I be a better preacher or better priest? And all he did is make me feel good. <laughs> <laughs> Hold on. Let me think of something condemning and harsh. <laughs> no, and I think that's the whole beauty. In order to be a real-life Catholic, you just have to know that we've got struggles, but at the same time, God loves us, and there's always a chance. That's there's it. always a chance. Where can people find out everything about you? RealLifeCatholic.com. You can't get any easier than that. And I'll be back with my carryout order, my experiences after I reflect and re-listen to this, this very edifying conversation. And I'll tell you what I learned and what I'm going to carry away in order to be, let's see, just say it, a better person, a better priest, and more importantly, a real-life Catholic. With more Shoot the Shiitake when I return in just a minute. I'm looking forward to a very busy year of travels, doing talks and presentations, and I look forward to meeting as many of you as possible. So hopefully you can visit me at one of my presentations. Just go to fatherleofeeds.com slash events, learn about where I'll be speaking, and if you're interested in hosting me and offering a Feed My Faith tour in your parish or for your organization, just reach out to us at Plating Grace, and you can find out more at the website fatherleofeeds.com that's father spelled out fatherleofeeds as in gives you food.com and I'll see you sometime this year around the world and feeding you body mind and soul and welcome back to shoot the shiitake with me father leo for my carryout order having done a deep dish discussion with chris stefanik first of all such a cool guy. I have to admit, like, I can hang out with him for days and we'd still be laughing and talking about stupid things and then making a relationship with, like, something stupid to something spiritual. And that's what it kind of means to me to be a real-life Catholic, that we don't limit our Catholic faith to just simply our experience of church for the hour or, like, if you're part of a prayer group and you feel very spiritual there. You've got to experience real Catholicism at every moment of your life. But that's what it means to be truly authentic living, that carpe diem mentality, seize the day. You don't seize the day only in these dramatic moments when you can hear music in the background. No. you got to be able to seize the day when you're bored in traffic, you know, like you've got to be able to seize the day when you are, you know, just living your life and cooking dinner. There, there's got to be this ongoing intentionality. And that's a carry out word for everyone. Intentionality. You know, what is your intention when you live your life? Hopefully it is to have a purpose and to live as a real Catholic. What you're doing is you're living with the purpose of trying to get to heaven. And the way you do that is by bringing a little bit of heaven's quality to earth. 
That's what it means to be a real life Catholic. I'm always just very impressed when I meet people who know who they are and what they're all about. And Chris is a layman, you know? I mean, he has a he has a degree in spirituality and theology. And again, so impressive to hear how he graduated with a, a group of classmates who are making a humongous difference in the world. But he's a layman, people. Most of you who are listening, you're lay people. And yet he is out there preaching. And I love his humility in saying, that it's because he's incredibly average, you know? The idea of just being a normal guy. And, you know, Chris does sing well. I've heard him sing, and I know he plays the guitar. But he's no Matt Marr. He's no, like, just this incredible musician. And as far as a speaker is concerned, I've listened to his talks, and I'm very edified by them. Are they incredibly profound theologies? Not necessarily, but... It is profound because he's trying to get to the heart of the matter. It's more of what he call kerygma. Kerygma is the essential, most basic experience of Jesus. I mean, it doesn't require deep theology. It requires to know Jesus, not just as he's profoundly dying on the cross, but when he was just kind of hanging out with his friends. You know, like the scriptures only record so much of Jesus's life. I mean, basically almost three years. I mean, if you think about it, he they capture the infancy narratives, which are, you know, what he was like when he was a child. And then there's a whole gap called the hidden years, the hidden years of Jesus's life. That's from the moment he was like 13 when he was lost in the temple and then found teaching at the temple again. This is all in the New Testament, so you can look at it, but it skips literally from like the conception, Merry Christmas, right? from Merry Christmas to the presentation of the child Jesus in the temple, which is when he was, you know, before teenage years. And then it skips from like his whole teenage years till about 30 in the public ministry when he's baptized by his cousin, John, in the River Jordan, where I'll be going, by the way. You got to come with me. This trip is going to be amazing. But there's this whole set of hidden years. We know nothing about it. So what did he do? I mean, you think about it. What did Jesus literally do in this time? Well, the answer is he just lived life. He just kind of lived a normal life. That's what it means to be a real-life Catholic. It means that you are trying to approach life with a sense of purpose and direction headed towards heaven, but not every moment of your life is going to be sacred like in church. No, you know what we were doing when Chris and I were talking? We had just finished dinner. I helped with the cleaning up because that's kind of part of it. And and we were literally sitting outside his porch. I think he might have had a scotch. I think I might have had a glass of wine. And we were just talking on his porch. And there was a great sense of kind of spirituality and connection there. So, That's kind of what it means to live a real-life Catholic lifestyle, you know? He was obviously trying to show us that in order to really know Jesus, you kind of just have to get to know him. And I kind of challenge you, my listeners, whether you're Catholic or not, because I know I've got some non-Catholics who listen, and thank you for sending me your messages and such and your questions. I just want to remind people that Jesus is not a bad person to get to know. I mean... You know, Chris said that, you know, when he finally got to meet Jesus, Jesus ruined everything for him. You know, he was a kid in seventh grade wanting to live the life of a rock star. 
Uh, and Jesus kind of ruined it for him. But now he's living the life of a rock star. To be honest with you, Chris is not talented enough to be a rock star. Uh, maybe he could be. I don't know. But now he actually is living the life of a rock star. He goes around to these places and he packs the house and people want to get to know him. They want to do pictures with him. They want to get his autograph. So he is living a life of a rock star, but he's obviously living the life based on the rock the profession of faith of St. Peter, which means rock, about Jesus. So the idea of Chris saying to people, you just got to get to know Jesus in order to get to know him, that's kind of what happened. You know, he was a kid. He got to know Jesus. That changed his life. And he can talk about it till the cows come home. And for you all, you might think, gosh, I'm so sick and tired of hearing about Jesus. Well, my idea is then get to know the guy, for God's sakes. L read about him and you will see he is not a bad guy. In fact, he's the most awesome person that walked the face of this earth, the incarnation of Christ, that God became man and revealed God's self to us through the divine person of Jesus. Jesus being fully human and being fully divine. This is mysterious. But even if you don't want to recognize that Jesus is God, like our Jewish brothers and sisters and our Muslim brothers and sisters, even if you're not even Christian, if you might be a Muslim, you might be a Jew, you might not want to acknowledge that Jesus is God, but you got to acknowledge that Jesus existed and that he has profoundly life-changing, heaven-directing things to say to us. That's what Chris is kind of trying to do. Let people know who Jesus is. And he talks about it from his own experience of conversion. And that's why I encourage you to maybe figure out, and here's kind of a carry-out order for me, at what point did I experience a conversion and to know that a conversion just doesn't happen once a day and then that's it, you gotta keep going through this process of trying to get to know Jesus every day of your life. It's an everyday reality. Living the real life Catholic is not something that you do just at his talk or at my talks. It's something that you do every day of your life in good times and bad, when it's exciting and when it's boring, when it's the big major seasons or when it is ordinary time. The reality of living a real life Catholic is just the intentionality of getting to know Jesus in your life every day. Chris mentioned this idea of heroes too, which I think is kind of cool. You know, when he was younger, his hero were rock stars. Again, my idea of heroes were like Superman and Spider-Man. I was, he was way more mature than I was. But it's a great message. To live a real life Catholic requires us also to live in the direction of how our heroes lived. And so it might be a good idea to not just simply ask ourselves, how am I getting to know Jesus every day? Another might be just who, who are the people I look up to? I mean, I may be bad English. I ended with a preposition, but you know what I'm talking about. Who do I look up to? Who do I live trying to emulate? Whether it be a basketball player, not me, of course, or like uh, anyone. Like who are the people that you look up to and maybe even be a little jealous of? Oh, this person has so much of this or this person has this natural quality to do that. 
those in a way become the heroes for you. And I think that a, a, a real life Catholic is not only intentionally asking ourselves who we are, but who are the people we want to be. They are literally the heroes. And what's always so interesting about heroes is that they were just incredibly average people that recognize their unique gift, their unique gift. You have one. If you're listening to me right now, I'm here to tell you, you have a unique gift. It might feel like you're living a very average life, but living a real life Catholic life means in a way you could become a hero for someone else. That's my carry out order. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with reallifecatholic.com creator and host, Chris Stefanik, good friend of mine. Can't thank him enough for just inviting me to his home and hanging out. Well, I cooked him dinner, so he kind of should be thanking me as well. It was a great time to visit with him and his family. And more importantly, it was an opportunity for me to meet someone who is very similar to me and yet very different in many ways. But we are truly brothers because we're just trying to live our Catholic life in a real life, everyday kind of way. So I hope you enjoyed this show. Thank you for listening. Please encourage family and friends to listen and to subscribe. I really want to encourage you to be kind of a missionary for Shoot the Shiitake and just let people know about the podcast and then encourage them and even consider becoming a premium subscriber yourself. $10 or more each month gets you free premium content each week delivered to your mailbox. And I think this week I'm going to be talking about New Year's resolutions, which doesn't just have to happen in the beginning part of the year. It should happen every day of our life. So between now and the next time we shoot the shiitake, stay hungry. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Shoot the Shiitake brought to you by SelectInternationalTours.com where they have a passion for pilgrimages as well as compassion for the pilgrim. You can learn more about Select International Tours and all of my trips in 2019 by going to SelectInternationalTours.com or calling 800-842-4842. That's SelectInternationalTours.com at 800-842-4842. And as always, we encourage you to please support our efforts by encouraging others to subscribe on their local platform for podcasts and also just tell people about our show. And if you're a premium subscriber or want to be a premium subscriber, you can learn more at shoottheshiitake.com. That's again, shoottheshiitake.com. Mm-hmm.